0: It's a shame because I'm talking about being vulnerable with my content. Yet, as a customer success manager, I'm struggling to be myself because is this going to be good enough? Is this going to be accepted? And it's a shit thing to think about, but it's real.
1: Welcome to NPS I Love You, a podcast powered by Catalyst. I'm your host, Ben Wynn, and this show is all about awesome people, ideas, and stories, all with a customer success twist. On NPS I Love You, I talk to everyone from artists to scientists, CEOs to CSMs, and everyone in between to give you powerful insights that will help you in your career and in life. Diana De Jesus is one of the top 100 customer success strategists, co-creator of the Open Book of Customer Success, and a CSM at Catalyst Software. She's also one of the most authentic, fun, and impressive people I've been fortunate enough to work with. In this episode, Diane and I talk about tips, tricks, mistakes, and learnings all around customer success, parenting, personal branding, and vulnerability. The first topic I want to get to is personal branding, because you have done an incredible job of that in quite a short amount of time. And it's something that brought you, I mean, floated you up on my feed. Before you were working at Catalyst, I think I reached out to you because I saw the open book of customer success and thought it was incredible and included it. And then we gradually sucked you into the Catalyst world, which has been amazing, but on top of Catalyst, you're still doing all your personal branding and some really cool stuff. So let's dig into that to start. Do you remember when specifically, or was it a conscious decision that you were like, I need to start putting Diana out there?
0: Yeah. So first of all, thank you, Ben. I'm really happy to be here chatting with you. It was definitely one of those things where you're just like, oh crap, what am I going to do now? So I was leading a technical support team. We were focusing mainly on onboarding and I really just loved this retention piece. And I wanted to do more of that at my previous job. And when I spoke about like what I wanted to do, there just really wasn't an area for me to move towards there. So then I was like, great, like all these things that I've built, the experience that I've gotten from this, it's hard to now get another job because people just looked at the title and they were like, oh, support, like Great, you know what? What skills do you have there? So yeah, we'll put you
1: on the phone and we'll, yeah. Right,
0: exactly. And so I decided to start kind of posting on LinkedIn a little bit, and you know, the first few things that I wrote were just so random. I would maybe share like a job that we were trying to hire for, or something like that. And then, of course, I went to my marketing friends, like guys, what's happening? Here's what I want to do. What can I do? And they're like, you got to make up your own experience, and you know. I looked at the things that they had produced. They had really good uh, podcasts, both of them. And I was bringing on other guests to talk about their experience. So that's where I got this idea of keep the customer. So now I felt like I can blog about recapping podcasts and the customer success space, and give me the experience through other people's experience that they were sharing to then get to the interviews, to then know what I'm talking about on the interviews. So all of that ended up also kind of aligning with being more vocal, just having a presence, right? It wasn't just like, okay, I'm blogging about it, but I also needed to be vocal and try to find a network to say like, I'm on the market. How can I get a job here? And and so that's how I started becoming a bit more vocal on LinkedIn mainly.
1: It's such a good strategy that a lot of people who are early on in their personal branding journey sort of don't realize that idea that. You don't have to, people downgrade their own experiences for one thing, but they also don't believe that because they haven't done all these things that they then can't go out and build a brand or be a thought leader, but they can do exactly what you did. And what I did a few years before with CS and focus is you don't have to be the person you can facilitate the the thought leadership. You can bring people together. You can find things that other people are writing and bring it together in some new way. And it's a great strategy to learn for yourself while also building that brand.
0: Yeah. agree.
1: Did you consciously think about the tone of kind of what you wanted, how you wanted to be perceived or the style of what you wanted to be putting out?
0: I knew that I wanted to just be myself. I think that even now, sometimes I get on some customer calls and I'm like, is this you though? Like, are you really being yourself on this call? And Sid even called me out for it one time and... For the first time, I was like, I just want to be myself. So even when I like put videos out on LinkedIn, that's really who I am. That's Diana on a Monday morning, Diana on a, on a Friday night. Like it's, it's just me. So I wanted to have that vulnerability slash authenticity within the content that I was producing. And that included my writing, anything that you see around that. It's just like a platform to be authentic.
1: You'd think it would be easy to just be yourself. When you're, whether you're doing your day to day as a CSM or whether you're blogging, but it's actually so much harder because we have these sort of preconceived notions of how someone should sound on these platforms, how you should write, how you should speak, or how you should do these things. And those things are not you. That's sort of an amalgamation of whatever we've absorbed. But that's the problem, which I think is why your stuff resounds so, so much with so many people is because it is different. It cuts through the noise because it is uniquely you. And that's a hard thing to achieve.
0: The first few pieces were totally not authentic. Let me just rephrase all this. (laughs) Like, that's where I wanted to be. And I- That's where
1: you got to. I
0: started kind of, right, that's where I got to. But then at the very beginning, it was just that, right? It was like struggling to find that voice that was informative, yet myself. And when you start overthinking what that voice sounds like, it leads to a lot of crappy content, which when I take a look back at the first couple of months, I used this thing called Shield App, and it shows me at the very beginning when I started producing content, it was like nothing, just emptiness, no interaction, Fritz. nothing, nothing at all, because it just wasn't, I didn't have the right audience slash it just sounded so uh, basic.
1: So you said you use something called Shield App. What What is that for, and should I be using it? And then uh, when did you start <laughs> seeing things sort of picking up? Was there an inflection point or was it sort of just gradual over over a year or two?
0: So I would say uh, maybe five to six months in after being more consistent with my posting. That's when I started seeing some traction. And back then I wasn't using Shield app. I was documenting everything in a spreadsheet. And I was like, you know, this post is about vulnerability and here's how that one did. Or this post is about driving value and here's how that one went. And then trying to analyze what were the ones that were like, which posts were the ones that would drive more interaction. That was back when I was more focused on interaction, more focused on engagement. Now I still worry about engagement. Obviously I don't want to put something out and then it just flops, but I'm more worried about value now and have reduced even how many times I post. So the shield app should be using it, Ben, the shield app. It's just like giving you analytics on your LinkedIn posts. You can look at things like, you know, your videos that you've posted. How do those engage? Like that was the first time that I learned that video brings in the most engagement. You have more comments, more likes, less view it looks like, but overall more engagement. So I started getting these little nuggets from using that app and it's been super helpful.
1: Awesome. I mean, it's... Five to six months is still a lot of time to put into something that you're not necessarily seeing results from. Did you like think, did you stop at some point or were you like, why am I doing this? Like, this is pointless. Was there a moment like that or were you just committed to, no, this is going to work? I'm just going to keep going until it works.
0: I had Keep the Customer, which was a blog that I was posting at er, on like every week. I had one piece of content come out. So LinkedIn was my main source of where I would go and hype my content up. So that's why I stuck to it. And I was, you know, also asking questions and I would get a little sprinkle of, you know, interaction, but I was also getting conversations on the side, like in my DMs. And I started meeting people and it was the little sprinkle of engagement I was getting was at least getting me enough traction to have those conversations that I needed to have to get a job. So I kept going.
1: That's the important thing. Yeah, for sure. And it worked out. What is one piece of advice that you would give to others who are just starting out building their brand? What would you tell them to do? It's going to suck.
0: Like at the very beginning, you know, if you're lucky, then great. It works out for you. I've seen a couple of folks that just started posting and boom, they have traction right away. But the reality is that There are going to be a lot of moments where it's just going to suck. Like you're not going to get a lot of interaction. And actually, if I could scratch that answer and say a little bit of tough love here, you have the time. Like that is the biggest excuse that I hear from everyone. Oh, I wish I was posting like that. I wish I was doing this. I just don't have the time. I had to do something crazy, which was switch out Instagram for LinkedIn Mm -hmm. And that was a struggle because I was addicted to Instagram. I wanted to get my fix, go in there, look at my family and have somebody try to sell me all some tea so I can lose some weight. But the reality is that I wasn't really, you know, it's not, it wasn't really elevating me. It wasn't really getting me to the next level in life. And I had to make that sacrifice and say, I have to give up endless scrolling for content creation. So we have the time. We just gotta switch things out in our lives and make the sacrifice.
1: I think uh, it's a great point. And I actually think it comes full circle because I, I could almost swear this was a LinkedIn post that I saw maybe like five or six years ago that stuck with me. And I'm sure now it's made its rounds. So everyone in the world has probably seen it, but it's just the line saying, stop saying that you don't have the time, switch it to you didn't make the time. You choose. You make the time for the things that you want to do. So when we say we don't have the time for something, we all have time. Pretty much everyone has time. Like, look at what, he, I mean, we talked about Mars at the start, but look at what Elon <laughs> Musk is doing, right? Like, he's running like six different companies. Like, you you have the time and you can make the time for the things that are important to you. So when you kind of make yourself swap those words in your narrative, yeah, things become much easier or at least clearer because then you're choosing, okay, I'm going to make the time for this. And I'm not going to make the time for that. Yeah. So I think, yeah, it's it's definitely a great point. And segues beautifully into uh, the next topic I wanted to get to with you, which is working mom life. You have two daughters, am I correct?
0: I do, yep.
1: Okay, how old are they?
0: They're six, so twins. They're not identical, are they? No, but they do look a lot alike. Even I struggle on my off days. (laughs)
1: Hey, you, you Mm -hmm. come help mom. (laughs) Important question, do they know what customer success is yet?
0: Oh yeah, they definitely they do. know. Oh yeah, oh yeah. It's actually really funny. Like I wanna know, you know what it was? Okay, this is gonna sound crazy. The The moment they knew that I was a customer success manager was one time I made my family listen to this podcast I was on <laughs> in the nice. car. And it was about, you know, it was about brand building, but it was also talking about customer success. And that's when they put two and two together. And it was like, oh, mom does customer success. So sometimes they'll ask me, like, what do you do? And I'm like, look, you know, I talk to customers. I help them be cool and be successful. And they're like, such a good job. Like they know about Sydney. They know about everything. Nice. They know. They know what I do.
1: (laughs) You're raising two more members of the Catalyst team.
0: (laughs) Exactly.
1: 15 years or so from now. maybe. Okay. So you're crazy full-timing startup life Catalyst. You are putting three and a half, let's round up and say four hours a week on your social brand building that kind of stuff full-time mom life how are you maintaining a healthy balance with all of these things or are you maintaining a healthy balance
0: i would say that let me redefine what healthy is <laughs> and you know this year has it. been a lot of redefining some of these goals that i had right so as a mom i wanted to do xyz and that's that's what i think ultra mom would be and then as a as a CSM, I want to do this. And as a wife, I want to do this and at home. And, you know, I want to have my finances right. And I also want my skin to be dewy. Like, it's too many (laughs) things for me. so I had to drop a couple of things. So the first thing that we had to drop was this idea of my home needs to be spotless all the time. Mm. I'm okay if I put away my laundry once a month, like that'll do for me. We also hired some help around the house because we were like, you know what? You're not doing it. I'm not doing it. And let's be honest, we kind of suck at this really bad between <laughs> my husband and I. So we just started getting the help where we can. And I guess it's similar to like when we're at work, right? We have to tap on somebody's shoulder like, hey, can you give me a hand here? That's what we have oh. to do in our in our actual lives. And my, as far as like, you know, maintaining a healthy balance, I unlike a couple of my friends, mom friends, I my motto is I got to put on my mask first and then I'm going to help you with yours. If I can't be okay, then no one's going to be okay. And it's not because I am a crappy mom. I just need to take care <laughs> of my health first so that I can be the happy, fun, loving, high energy mm-hmm. mom that you need from me. So that means that I need to be eating right. I need to be working out at least, Three, let's, yeah, let's call it three. I'm not going to exaggerate for our <laughs> podcast. Uh, three days No week.
1: lying on NPS, I <laughs> love yeah. you. And yeah, I,
0: I need to, you know, dance it out a little bit, have a little wine on Fridays. Like those are the things that mom needs to be good. And then I'll be all right for, for everyone else at home.
1: And at work too. Yeah. And every in all right all aspects, right? It's It all ties together. But I like that approach a lot. Uh, just, you know, if you're not good, then- how can you expect to be there for everybody else? So it's it's important to think that way for sure. And also, you got uh, you still have some glow left over from Florida. So thank you.
0: Appreciate
1: extremely that. jealous, looking all pasty <laughs> up in Canada. But Stop. I'm gonna chalk that up to my to my <laughs> camera, my laptop camera. <laughs> so no, this isn't a parenting podcast. But parenting is a very foreign world to me because I have my cat. She is my child. So I know very little about child rearing full-time while you're working full-time. What is the most challenging part in your view?
0: The most challenging part is consistency Consistency right now in the time of a pandemic, in the time of working at home, all of that. It's about being consistent and, you know, trying to bake in things to hold their attention. Like, you know, for Mm -hmm. example, we have movie night once a week. Well, sometimes I have to do other things. And so now movie night suffers. So that's the challenge. Am I going to be able to keep everything going to the expectation that that I have? That is the biggest struggle for me um, as a parent. But, you know, at the same time, you could, you could kind of spin it. So I'll tell you this, you know, the other day, Justin, who's my husband, he was upstairs in his office, meetings all day. I was downstairs in my office, meetings all day. And before I know it, it's two o'clock. And I'm like, crap, I have not fed these kids. Like they had breakfast, but they did not have lunch. Yeah. And I just opened my door like a mad woman. I went out there. And when I get to the living room, they have made their own sandwiches. And (laughs) it was like heartbreaking for me. So they made their own sandwiches with these whole wheat pitas. Don't even get me started because that was (laughs) supposed to be mine to have my little, you know, healthy trip. Right. (laughs) But when I open it up, it has no, like, no condiments. It's just like ham and cheese. <laughs> oh, <laughs> and they they were it it was like two pitas on top of each other. <laughs> and I just wanted to cry because I was like, I have <laughs> let my kids down. But then oh, my husband no. comes down. He's like, that's, they're self-sufficient though, are they? And I was yeah, like,
1: that's independence.
0: That is a great point. That's huge. So yeah, that's how we're going to look at it.
1: You gotta start doing less for your kids. Get more Diana time. <laughs> so, yeah, they can drive themselves to school. They can brush right. the teeth. You know. That's so cute. Yeah, I can only imagine how hard the consistency is. And it's hilarious because you're probably the third person who's told me a story about, not on the podcast, but just in general when I talk to parents uh, through COVID that has forgotten to feed their child lunch. It seems like it's a very popular oh, thing same. among working yeah. parents that it's like 3, 4 p.m. and yeah. the kids haven't eaten.
0: Our pantry is like we had to rearrange our pantry this last year. We're just like, look, all the snacks are at a reaching distance. When you need something, just go in here, and that's that's how we're handling it.
1: Oh, these are healthy snacks. They're allowed to get. They're allowed to have these snacks.
0: Yeah, kind of. There's some cheat snacks <laughs> in the back.
1: Okay, they don't know that though. That's, yeah, yeah, that's the important thing. I remember when I got to the age, I was rifling through cupboards, craving sugar. But <laughs> now I'm with you on the whole wheat side of things. So yeah,
0: it's not that fun
1: so cool. Last question on, on this side of things. Do you think either consciously or unconsciously that being a parent has influenced how you work or how you are with customers or sort of your, your CSM life?
0: Yes. I actually think about this a lot because with kids, they don't, they're not super clear all the time. So you got to really drive to the point. Discovery and not, questions. <laughs> right. Like not to say that our customers <laughs> are kids, but you do need to ask the whys. And I feel like I do such a good job as a mom when I need to find out what I need to find out. Wish I could copy and paste that skill into my CSM life because that's it, right? Like the discovery that you have to do with kids to get them to say the thing or even just like compromise on something. We see that a lot, right? We're talking a lot about bugs and feature requests, but- that's like you talking about ice cream all the time. I get that. But what about this broccoli? You know, let's let's get you to do this and then we'll focus on that.
1: That's a good point. A uh, good comparison. The, uh, one of the tricks I've heard before is, you know, instead of asking your, I don't know if you do this with your girls, but instead of telling them to brush your teeth, you ask them, would you like to brush your teeth before you watch 15 more minutes of TV or after you watch 15 more minutes of TV? Then it's their choice, but you still get your outcome. Oh. And I feel like that's something that, I've definitely used a lot in like the CS community kind of kind of world.
0: Yeah, I'm going to borrow that for sure. Go for it.
1: Get our customers to brush their teeth. No matter <laughs> what. Awesome. Well, talking more on the, the CS side, uh, we talked about sort of being authentic right off the top. I think that the best CSMs are the ones that are 100% authentic themselves and they sort of have their own twist or they have their own kind of personality or thing that they bring to being a CSM. They're not just kind of running things exactly by the book. So curious what you would, how you would explain the, the Diana approach to customer success if, if you had to verbalize it, verbalize it. Is that the right word?
0: Yeah. Awesome. I'd say so. Yeah. This yeah. is my that second language, by the way, Ben.
1: Okay. Well, Hey, I mean, we I'm can switch a- to Spanish, but no,
0: this questions are going to be
1: very limited from me. <laughs>
0: I'm just saying, I'm not, I'm not always a trusted source on like, th- is this an English word? Because sometimes I swear I make stuff up. But to your question, if I had to put it into words, what Diana <laughs> customer success is, the first thing I would say is like, I just got to write everything down. And sometimes I wonder if The work that I've done and keep the customer and recapping those podcasts has now made me a worse note taker because I got to write it all down. Yeah. So that's number one. And it's been helpful because when I have to go back to something, then, you know, what did I say? I've got it written down. I got my own back. So always having my own back by writing stuff down Two, one thing that I absolutely love doing is just praising customers. I feel like we focus on a lot of the negatives, Right. Mm -hmm. You know, they're not hitting their goals or they're at risk. And we're on this like path of always trying to prevent these things. But finding the time and the space to celebrate a customer is that's like, love it. Top marks for me. I love doing that. So any chance I can get on a call, that's what I want to do. And then I have this little thing for like gifts and thoughtful gifts. My husband says like, you know, you're really good at this. And I think it's really just a way for him to not get gifts. And it all comes (laughs) down to me, but I want to believe him. And so (laughs) like the other day we had a customer who I do like this MVP slide. So every quarter, you know, who's the MVP, the catalyst MVP, who's using it the most. And it's a great way to celebrate people. But it just so happened that the MVP... And I'm just going to say who it is. It's Level Jump because we've done a lot of work with them. But the MVP at Level Jump, Jen, she also got engaged. And oh, nice. so I was like, that's amazing. Not only are you the MVP of this quarter, but you're also engaged. How can we celebrate this? So I spoke with Alexandra and a couple of days later, we sent her a bottle of champagne. So it's like these little things that I like doing that are more on the customer experience side, but I want to bring more of that into CS and just celebrate Mm -hmm. more of those little wins. So write it all down, celebrate the people and bless them with gifts.
1: Gifts. Yeah. Gifts always work. And one of my favorite, forget which book it was in, but the, one of my favorite little quirks about sort of humans is that we, it's been proven that we believe compliments, even if we know that they're not uh, genuine, which I find <laughs> so funny, but it just goes back to what you were saying that like we, we want to, you know, like yeah. everyone likes to hear nice things. So even if you know, it works like in sales, like, it, you know, if you're, even if you know it's a salesperson or it's someone and it, they might be disingenuous, we still like to get compliments. So though I'm sure it's always genuine when it comes from you, but I love the gifts idea. And I've been thinking we should be doing something on that. I haven't think i have a thing I've bookmarked for like a future project, but I've talked before with some folks on the podcast about the five love languages. Mm. And I forget what they all are. It's like receiving gifts, physical touch.
0: Words of affirmation.
1: Words of affirmation, quality time. And it's something like acts of generosity or thoughtful acts or something like that. And I'd love, I want to really want to figure out a way that we can turn that into a tool within Catalyst so that we can understand what our customers love languages are and then target like that way we could target our approach, you know what I mean? A little bit more. So we know like if someone loves gifts, then like that's that's their thing. If this person, we're not going to go physically touch people, but <laughs> well, <laughs> we can maybe up the words of affirmation or or do some other things like that and introduce them to other people for quality time. But I think there's some really cool innovative stuff we could do there. But I haven't decided if it's a product or a marketing gimmick or both. So we'll have to wow. see where we land on that.
0: That's innovation right there, Ben. I like that
1: a lot. <laughs> that, this is what'll get us above the billion-dollar valuation <laughs> mark. Okay, so going into a little more CS stuff. Okay, we talked about a few tactics there in terms of like gifts and writing everything down, which is something I suck at. But what is a new a new strategy or tactic you've learned in the last? I said the last year originally, but let's go like since working at Catalyst. Like, what's a new strategy or tactic you've learned that you found useful?
0: Mm. So. When I got to Catalyst, I already brought this idea of success plans, which is not my idea. It's widely known success plans in in the community and in customer success in general. But the one thing that Sid pushed me on was the actual content of the success plan and the outcome. Like, where are we trying to get this to go? What Mm. What is the ultimate goal of the success plan? When I got to Catalyst, I was thinking here's a tool. What do you want to do in the tool? Let's get you to do those things. And so it's like, no, what is the customer success, uh, the overall strategy of this customer success team? Mm -hmm. What are their big goals? And that includes things like their net dollar retention, even touching things like wider OKRs that the customer success team might be accountable for at the company, and how we can bake those into what we can provide as catalysts, not just a tool, to this customer. When we had that conversation, I think we had two because the first time I was like, wow, that let's talk about that again. Um, Mm -hmm. So it just blew my mind. It was thinking more than just what you have to offer and start thinking more of like what you have to offer with the tool. And then all of the associated things like all the knowledge that we have within our team, the expertise, things like that. So I would say that's what I've learned in since I've joined Catalyst.
1: It's an awesome one. When so, you switched from your technical support role to a CSM role, but that was, and then t- talk me through the timeline because you were, how long were you, have you been a CSM for?
0: So, I started that CSM role in February 2020. Mm-hmm. So, a little over a year essentially.
1: Okay. Yeah. A little over a year. Okay. That's amazing.
0: There is a little part where I started in customer success, air quotes again. Yeah when I first got into tech, but that customer success role was a hodgepodge of all the things. And it wasn't right. It wasn't like the customer success that we talk about, read about. And that was about six years ago. Now it wasn't that it was everything, but it was demos and it was like focusing on renewals in this weird way. And it was like all these things that wasn't what we talk about in a more traditional customer success sense. So if we counted that, then it's like, whatever year and eight months.
1: Okay. Cause I wanted to ask, cause I think it's, it's really amazing. Like your, your knowledge of the space and expertise in the space is like exponential considering the amount of time that you've been doing it, which is crazy impressive. So, but given that we're still sort of within memory proximity (laughs) to when you, when you switched in, what is something that right from the start you, what's a mistake that you remember making that you think other people might make or have made when they were just getting into the field?
0: Oof. Okay. This one, it no kind yeah, nothing. You're perfect from the get. This one's almost like a threefold because it kind of, it's like a cycle and it goes with, you're talking too damn much. That's the first one. That was my mistake. It was just like word vomit all the time. And the word vomit was because I was coming from support and it's very much, tell me your problem. Here's the solution. Tell me the problem. Here's the solution. And so it was this back and forth, back and forth. And then the thing, the solution that I needed to implement to get out of that cycle was asking more discovery questions. So I would say that I'm very much still developing those skills, but I have crossed the chasm where I'm not, where I'm aware that this is an issue, where I'm aware that these are things that I need to focus on and Mm -hmm. what's the practice that I need to get myself to kind of move out of that. So I shared this post, which I thought was so freaking silly, but people loved on LinkedIn. And it's about the water strategy. So (laughs) the water strategy is literally you have a jug of water on your table. And when you feel like you're talking too damn much, take a sip and relax.
1: Nice. And then
0: count to three and drink your water whenever you feel like you're doing too much. And it has been super helpful for me.
1: That's a great tip. I love that. I'm going to do that. I'm just going to cool. be running to the bathroom every 30 minutes, <laughs> know, but Exactly. at least I'll be asking less questions. The uh, Related to that, but one of my favorite practices that like, I still need to get used to because I am also a talker, clearly, is we have a, an urge to fill silence because silences are uncomfortable. But if you ask someone a question, a customer or, or whomever, and then you just stop talking, they'll be in... Because we have a tendency, and I learned this, I remember when I first made this mistake, I don't remember the specific time, but often we'll ask customers things like, why aren't you using the product? Is it hard to access? Is it this? Is it that? Is it that? And what you've done is given them basically a checklist as an option. So they just pick one of the things you said. But if you just said, why aren't you using the product? And they just leave it. Then it's uncomfortable. But then they're inclined to fill it as quickly as possible. So it's sort of like a staring contest. You don't want to be the first to talk, but... Because their brain is rushing to fill the silence, they'll be more honest with their answer, and they'll give you a real answer instead of something that you just fed to them. And that was a huge sort of related learning for me. I remember going through that. I still work on.
0: Yeah, I think it's all again, like it's all a challenge. It all takes time. I'd literally have a post-it note that reads "pause, pause" <laughs> on my computer, nice. and that's part of the learning, just developing those skills.
1: What's been the highlight of being a catalyst for, I mean, I know it's been crazy and obviously I'm in Slack, I'm in our Slack, but (laughs) you know, what's, we're hiring an implementation manager. We're we're always hiring across multiple roles right now, brand designers and all this thing, all this stuff. So when you think about kind of the future of your career, and I mean, so I'm curious actually on this, because I think there's a lot of content out there where people are like, you need a five-year plan, you need a 10-year plan, a two-year plan. I know friends that like literally put in spreadsheets that was like, oh, and Married by this age, have pregnant here, so I can have kid number one and kid number, like that. Organized. Where do you fall on this sort of like? Let's say that's extreme. You know, one side, and then not absolutely no planning is on the other. Sort of going with the flow.
0: I do like planning, but not not the kids and the none of that stuff. They were planned, but what I'm saying
1: is, <laughs> <laughs> for the record,
0: uh, yeah, for the record.
1: When they listen to so,
0: this, I know, right? So. When I force them to listen to it in the car, it's going to be terrible Yeah,
1: in the car. Yeah, exactly.
0: I do plan. I I do plan. And it it does involve customer success. My plans are a little crazy and scary. And I like that. So I know you mentioned Spain earlier. You had a friend from Spain and Spain is one of those places on my bucket list. I'd love to go live there. And to make that happen, I want to still do my customer success work but help European market get to where they need to go. Mm. Because I feel like we here in America and Canada, I guess, we have done a lot when it comes to startups. Yeah, pretty much. You guys are so close. I think we're very advanced when it comes to startups. When it comes to customer success, we have all this information. But when I look at markets like Europe, they're still developing. They're still figuring out their customer success strategy, all that stuff. And it's all very much fresh. And I'm wondering like, How's that going to happen? So I don't have the plan. I just want to go there and help out the European market. And who knows? That might mean you know, catalyst in Europe. It might be, I don't know. It's a big question mark, but.
1: You have my full support to move our head office to Barcelona.
0: Ooh, okay. Now we're talking.
1: <laughs> what about on the personal side, just sort of life in general? Do you do a lot of planning, reflection? Do you do journaling, anything like that?
0: I use the Calm app and I do jot down like just how I'm feeling Some meditation there. I also have these weird things that I do. I I wouldn't say they're weird, but I just feel like as humans, we don't make enough time to think. We just don't create the space for natural thinking. Everything is just go, go, go all the time. And so what I like to do on a weekend morning is 30 minutes of just ideas, thinking, uh, anything I want to just get out of my head. So I will do that. And that is super helpful to me. On a personal level, just being more consistent with my workouts, that is something that, you know, I I feel like when I do kind of have some consistency there, then everything else in my life just feels so much better. And I guess just sustainability, (laughs) really. Like personal goals right now, keeping everybody alive in the house. Keep
1: alive, fed, (laughs) you know, full, full of ham and cheese, whole wheat pitas, you know.
0: That's it, you know. Nothing fancy, because I know I have to be realistic with myself. I'm writing a lot. I'm doing my job. I'm doing as much as I can. So personal goals right now, be consistent with what you got on your plate.
1: One of the things that I think, I I, I mean, I really love to be able to get across in everything we do with community is sort of, I think the magic of community happens when you bring people together together. Who don't know they have the same problems. And then they realize they like meet someone else that has the same problems they do. And they're like, oh shit, like this is amazing. Yeah. Like that's where the magic of community happens. And I feel like there's just some more of that that we need right now. So, I mean, not to put you on the spot, but I'm, I'm curious if there's anything else that you want to share or kind of put out there that you think people might be struggling with right now that maybe yourself are, are facing as well.
0: Yeah. So, I think that we are struggling with vulnerability to just be open about what are the things that we need to work on and being vocal about it. And, you know, not to like brag about my content, but I, I feel like that was the thing that made it stick for people and I stink. (laughs) It was this, finally, someone said it, finally, someone said, I want to hear more from CSMs at Uh, conferences that I want to hear from leaders telling me what I need to do from up here. Meanwhile, Mm -hmm. I'm still down here and I got to actually execute this day to day or thinking about talking about failures or when I've been hurt or when I've been wrong. And I think for the rest of the community, you're going to be able to develop certain things in your life, like skills, like getting past trauma, all these things once you open up about it. And I hope that people are in a safe space to talk about these things. For example, you know, Sid, I had to tell her that the reason why on these calls I sound that way was because, and this is going to sound terrible. I'm not sure if it's going to make it to the podcast, but that was my white girl voice, right? I felt like I needed to put on this level of professionalism and tone down the spicy latina that i am because (laughs) maybe that's (laughs) (laughs) because maybe that's not welcome on that call but she was the first person to say like you don't need permission to be who you are just Mm -hmm. be who you are like you're so great on internal calls you finally get to these customer calls and who the hell is this girl you know yeah so what's going on she was the first person to spot that and you know up until that point i thought i was flying under the radar. I was like, no one's going to catch this. And then finally (laughs) she puts me on blast in the best way possible. And it, it allowed me to just break away from that. I'm still working on it, you know, but it's that it's like being vulnerable enough to speak about those things Mm -hmm. opened up this freedom that I needed to be more of who I need to be, even with my customers. And it's a shame because I'm talking about being vulnerable with my content Yet as a customer success manager, I'm struggling to be myself because is this going to be good enough? Is this going to be accepted? And it's a shit thing to think about, but it's real.
1: Yeah, that's an amazing one. Thanks for for sharing it, because I think that's something that a, a lot of people do struggle with. And for a whole multitude of reasons, I remember earlier on, like I got used to it fairly quickly, but even conversationally, would I bring up my partner or my spouse? Would I say husband? Would I say Or we want to just avoid that conversation if it came up with clients, you know. So I think everyone can relate to that. But when you unlock that, it's one of the most most powerful things you can do. So I think that's a fantastic point to end today on. Actually, I have a more important question I want to end today on, (laughs) which is you mentioned, you know, mom needs her Friday night wine. So you're cutting loose on a Friday, you're getting out of work mode. What is the first song or artist that you're putting on to dance to?
0: Yeah, so this is going to sound like a old lady song or artist but gypsy kings with a bottle of rioja because apparently i'm all about (laughs) spain but that's my artist like that's who i go to gypsy kings bambolea or joey joao or one of these songs and i mean that's how i'm turning up that's my Friday.
1: i've never listened to them so i'm very excited (laughs) to put gypsy kings on spotify after this call
0: Okay, I'm sending it to you in black right away.
1: Amazing. Dana. thank you so much for coming on. This has been so much fun.
0: Absolutely. Thanks for having me.
1: Thanks so much for listening. If you like the show, please leave us a review and share this podcast with a friend. If you want to learn more about Catalyst, visit catalyst.io. Until next week, I'm Ben Nguyen, and this was NPS I Love You. PS, I love you.